we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. If you guys can turn to Matthew chapter ter- 13, 13, 13. And we're going to actually start in verse 1. Amen when you're there. Amen. Okay, so it says, That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him. So he got into the boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach, and he spoke many, thing to them, uh, many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell besides the road, and the birds came and ate them. Others fell on the rocky places where, uh, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them. And others fell on the ground, uh, fell on the good soil, and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He's talking about the crowds. He's asking Jesus, why, why are you speaking to them? Jesus answered them, to you it has been granted to know the what? Mysteries of the kingdom. But to them it has not been granted, for whoever has to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. 13, therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart, this is for the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and with their, uh, uh, sorry, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Father, we love you, and we praise you tonight, God, through worship and through your word, Lord. Um, I just pray, Lord, as uh, we read tonight, that uh, you would show something maybe different or fresh to us, maybe something that I've didn't say in, in the word to each of us individually. Father, we pray for your spirit. Um, we pray that you would reveal more to us, more about you, that we would know you more and fall more in love with you, Lord. Tonight, God, that um, I just pray you would guide my words. I pray that you would speak through me, Lord. Um, and I pray that you would speak to us clearly. We thank you for your presence, and we thank you for who you are, Lord. We love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. I was going to just read the word and pray out, but I don't think we can do that, yeah? <laughs> um, there's a lot in here, that's why, and there's a lot of different references, but um, I will start with this. I think I was maybe about um, five or six years old at the time. Um, my mom would always always tell me this story. So it was a story about two ants. Bear with me. 
um, it was a story about two ants, and she would tell me the same story over and over and over and over and over again. And every time she would tell me this story, it would start to paint this scene or like this kind of picture within my head. And, I, I, and so thanks to mom, I could share this with you today. Yeah, so you can tell her thank you when you see her. So the story, and it's Mother's Day coming up. So now the story kind of goes like this. I'm giving you the all-exclusive shorter version. So once upon a time, there were two ants. Now, listen, winter was coming, and so both ants had to store up food for themselves. Because, because uh, during the winter months, it would be kind of too cold to go outside and harvest anything. She says this all the time. And so one ant worked very, very hard, really hard, to find food and grain to prepare for those long winter months. But the other ant, the other ant, he just enjoyed himself. He enjoyed the nice summer sun. It was summer. The weather was amazing, and winter was still a few months out. And so day after day, he watched his friend bring one grain to the next grain, bring one grain to the next grain. And by the time he knew it, well, winter finally made its way in because that's what seasons do. And I remembered asking my mom, what happened to that, la- to that aunt that just laid it all day? Right? Like, what happened to the ant that just enjoyed himself and kicked it all summer? And my mom, if you know my mom, she keeps it pretty real. Well, she said, that ant? Why are you asking about that ant? He's dead. <laughs> so I always remember that. That ant's dead. I don't know why you're asking about that ant. He starved to death. He had no food to eat because he didn't prepare himself for what was coming, right? And if, and if I was, uh, and if it was up to me, this is just me back those times, I would rather have my own endings. I would want to write my own endings. Like, why didn't that ant, um, why would he let his friend die like that? Like, sharing is caring. But that's not the point, is it, right? <laughs> but that's not the point. That is definitely not the point. That's not, that's not what she, on top of that, it's not even my story, so I don't get to change how it ends. This story was designed by Mama Kwan to reveal a specific but simple truth. This is why it began the way it did and ended the way it did. My mom just wanted me to understand one thing. She said, son, laziness will kill you. That's it. She said, laziness will kill you. It, if you keep putting things off in life, if you keep telling yourself, I'll get to it eventually, you will never get to it. The time is now. That's what she said, not tomorrow, not, not next week, today, right? And so the Bible is filled with this kind of language. Like if you hear my voice, what? Do not harden your hearts. Behold, now, it says, is the acceptable time. Like today is the day of your salvation, not tomorrow, because tomorrow isn't promised. You and I have no clue what's going to happen tomorrow. None. But by God's grace, you do have right now. You do have this moment. And it's in moments like this where you get to hear the word of God and his loving invitation. It's in moments like this where you get to hear the word of God and step into life. But for some of us, for some of us, we can hear the word of God and not do anything with it. 
We can hear the word of God and his invitation, but keep putting it off. Like we can hear the word of God, but not hear the word of God. <laughs> and this seems to be the response of the majority, and that's kind of, what hap- that's kind of what's happening in context. This is what Jesus seen within the crowds, and when he looked out to the multitudes, this is what he knew. And as Mish went through Mark 3, for the nation of Israel, the leaders of Israel, God's chosen people, they've rejected him fully at this point. And so at this point in his ministry, he begins to teach what the Bible would call parables. Now, parables are illustrations or stories, but the meaning of each parable goes beyond the story itself, just like with the two ants. You can hear that story, and that'd be a good story to put in your pocket. You can walk away with nothing, or you would understand that there was a truth within the story. My mom wanted me to understand one thing. She just wanted me to understand that laziness or putting things off will get you absolutely nowhere in life. By the way, it wasn't her her story. It's biblical. I realized many years later that she got that from the book of Proverbs. You guys read Proverbs? It's good wisdom literature. I think Solomon says something like, uh, the ant, look at the ant. Right? He got wisdom from the ants. Like, look at the ant. We have no captain, no overseer, no ruler, and yet provides her food in the summer. Just talking about preparation. Now the, Pharise- uh, sorry, now, the parables that Jesus uses throughout the gospel that we're about to see had a lot more depth, and we're going to see later on as well, than just life lessons. They weren't meant to just instruct us to be better people or add more uh, better behavior in our lives or kind of uh, let us be more moral, uh, moral people. The parables that Jesus used were meant to reveal one important truth to us. They were meant to reveal the kingdom of heaven. They were meant to bring us into the reality of God's kingdom, but not everybody would get it. That's what he says in verses 10 through 17. And it wasn't because of the message. It wasn't because of the message. There's nothing wrong with the message. There's nothing wrong with the word of God. And it definitely wasn't the messenger. There is nothing wrong with Jesus Christ. So what is it then? I'm glad you asked. It's the hearers. It's the people hearing the message. It's the ones on the receiving end. It's the one listening to Jesus preach day after day. It's the ones always meeting Jesus, seeing Jesus, and hearing Jesus. It's the people who came to Jesus for life but didn't agree with the life he offered. It's those people. It's his own family members that grew up with him but did not believe in who he was. It was the religious leaders that put him in the same league as Satan. And even with all of the evidence and the miracles around them, they still willfully rejected him. Rejected. And so instead of speaking plainly, he begins to teach in story mode. He does this because he knew every heart in the crowd. Every single heart. He knew their intentions, he knew their motives, he knew their agendas. He knew the ones that were there for him and the ones just kind of passing through. And yet, the word of God was given to everyone. Everybody. This is why he gave the parable about the sower. Josh did an amazing job last week. This is why he gave the parable about the sower. He scatters his word freely on top 
and type of every soil, whether it'll bear fruit or not. This is grace. This is grace. He throws out the invitation of life. He continues to reveal the kingdom of God because he knew within this unbelieving crowd and the rejecting leaders, there would come a harvest. Even with all that's going on, there's going to be a harvest. Like right here, right now. This is definitely a good harvest. And Josh Beale did an amazing job explaining this parable last week. Only one soil out of four actually starts to bear fruit. Remember this? And I just kind of read it, but he explains it later. I'm probably not going to read that if you were listening last week. It's only one out of four soils actually start to bear some fruit. And Jesus is not saying that only 25% of you are saved and the rest are condemned. Like, right? That's not what he's trying to say. He's simply saying, not everyone who hears my words receives my words. That's it. Not everyone who professes me believes in me. But for the one who professes and believes, for one who hears and receives, the kingdom has room for variation. I love that. This is why I believe he says some yield a hundredfold that some yield 60-fold, that some yield 30-fold. This means that disciples come in all shapes and sizes. And I'm not talking about physically. Like he says all the time, calorie chapel. This is not, it's not calorie chapel. I'm talking about spiritually. This is a spiritual fruit, a spiritual yield in your life, that the fruit in everyone's life will vary because all vineyards have different yields, some more than others. Like some of you might be experiencing the joy right now, the joy of hearing God's word and doing God's word, and some of us are still kind of getting the hang of things. And yet, both are considered to be fruitful and productive in God's kingdom. And so this parable isn't talking about the amount of fruit in your life. That's not what he's saying, but are you bearing any at all? Even if it's just one grape. like this. He sees that. Even if just one little grape, one fold, he sees that. Because even if there are four different conditions of the heart, there are only two type of people in this world. I think we know this. There's only unbelievers and believers. The saved and the unsaved. There are wheat and there are tares. And so let's read verse 24 to 30. This is not my water, right? Are you COVID-free now? Um, verse 24 says this, Jesus presented another parable to them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain... Then the tares became evident also. By the way, wheat and tares in its early stages, when they're growing, you cannot tell them apart. They're identical. I had to look this up. Okay, let's keep going. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? Verse 28. And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Do you want us then to go up and gather them up? But he said, no, for while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. 
allow both to grow together until the time of harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, we can find the meaning of this parable actually starting in verse 36. But I want to point out a couple things. This parable, oh, thank you, living water. Oh, that's good. This parable, excuse me, was given to people who understand farming or understood farming back then. I had no idea. I have no idea, so I had to go look it up. And and it was also punishable by Roman law, listen, to plant weeds in your neighbor's farm. Like, that's mean. But it was also a crime. And if that's the case, the enemy will do anything to disrupt this man's harvest. So that's the first thing. And so thanks to this parable, we are now aware that now there are two sowers. He gave the first parable about the first sower, but now in this parable, we know that there are two sowers, that there are two seeds, but there is one field. Jesus wasn't trying to teach us the culture within farming or ancient farming or how to sabotage your neighbor's farm. Again, he's helping us to see the realities within his kingdom. At this point in time in his ministry, he had massive crowds following him, and what his disciples must have seen was a very successful ministry. That's what I would have seen. Like, I would have seen that. Like, if I seen this thing full, I'd be like, oh my goodness, this is a great yield, or this is a great harvest. Like, that's exactly what I would have thought. This is popping, Jesus. But Jesus knew that success was not in numbers. Like, you can never gauge how well a church is doing by the amount of people there, and so it went back right back to the first. So what I seen was it went right back to the first parable about the seed and the soils. See, it was never about the quantity of fruit, but is there any at all? Like, is there anybody here that's actually here for me and only me? Because within the multitude of people, Jesus knew every heart. And he knew that not every heart was there for him. And he said this in Matthew 12, 30, he who is not with me is. He who is not with me is against me. There is no other, that's what that means. And so he speaks of this enemy within his field. Notice it's his field. But this enemy only comes to sow bad seeds. Not only to disrupt the harvest, but to deceive people into thinking that, they're, that the harvest is bigger than it actually is. He's a deceiver. I could see his disciples excited about his kingdom growing right now. And it's like, all oh, these people, this is crazy. But Jesus knew that his kingdom would grow, but with variation. And I'm not talking about fruit. This is why he gave the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven. Let's read that. Verse 31 says this, He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. 32 says, And this is smaller than all other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes 
a tree. By the way, mustard seeds do not become trees. If anything, the tallest they get is, I think, about 12 feet. But I think most of them stay at around 4 feet. So they don't turn into trees. Now, so that the what? Birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Verse 33, he spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid three pecks of flour until it was all leaven. Both of these parables speak about the growing kingdom, that's for sure. The mustard seed represented small beginnings, but later Jesus says that it will grow larger than all the other garden plants, that even the birds will nest in its branches. Same with leaven. Leaven was used uh, to make bread rise. And yet birds and leaven were never described as good things in the Bible. Never. In fact, Jesus, maybe once in Leviticus, an offering, but mostly they're not good. In fact, Jesus said with the parables of the sower, if we just read earlier, that the birds were the evil one. They snatched away the seeds that were sown and leaven was a reference to false teaching from the religious leaders, as he'll mention that, the leaven of the Pharisees. And so what he's saying is as this kingdom grows, there will be false Christians and false doctrine. That's how I see it. Jesus is saying that there is an enemy working within my fields, but I'm fully aware of that. I see him. Like I see him. And I see what he's doing. And so he gives his disciples some clarity as to what's really going on. And so let's read verse 30. We're going to read verse 34. So he says, All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, and he did not speak to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. So now it's just him and his disciples. Verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he said, The one who sows good seed is the who? Son of man. Who's that? Jesus. Amen. And the field is? The world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the son of? Or evil one. And the enemy who sold them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels and they will gather out his kingdom, all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus is saying that the enemy is the devil. And where I sow good seeds, he's sowing bad ones. And he's not just out there, he's where? He's in here. He's not just out there, he's here. There will be sons of the kingdoms and sons of the evil ones, and they'll be what? Growing together. Together. 
And yet he allows this because salvation is for who? Everyone. I'm just keeping this real simple. I know this is talking about end times, but this parable is not only talking about judgment, this parable is also talking about grace. It's not only about separation, but mercy now. For you, for me, and we'll understand why in this next parable. I'm going to just keep moving forward. Verse 44 says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. What is the field? What is it? The world. This reminds me of John 3.16, For God so loved the world, the field, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus died to save the entire world, but the entire world is not saved. Jesus gave his life for the world in order to get the treasure. The treasure is the whosoever's. (laughs) It's the whosoever believes in him. That's the treasure. And the same thing goes for the pearl, verse 45. Again, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls, and upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. The good news is even if there was only one person, one of you that would come to faith, Jesus would still have gone to the cross. One. Just one. And then he ends with 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up on the beach and they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And Jesus said to them, Therefore every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of, the ho- is like a, head of a household who brings out his treasure, things new and old. Most of the disciples were fishermen, so Jesus used an analogy that they would all understand. And what he's saying is that they were now responsible for what they understood. That's it. I had no idea how I was going to end this. I told Pastor Steve I was just going to read through it and kind of pray out. There's possibly a million different ways. But maybe I'll just end like this. Which aunt are you tonight? <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't expound a lot on this scripture. I didn't have this structure, but it speaks for itself. There's a time coming. There's an end coming. There's a time of judgment, there's good, there's evil, there's Jesus, there's the devil. And I, I don't think I have to expound or, and the gospel is the only thing that will save you. Are you the ant in preparation for what's coming? <laughs> Knowing that it's coming, right? Like winter's coming. This is coming. He's coming. 
Or are you the one who knows and understands, but you're still kind of putting things off? Today's the day. Today's the day to accept this Lord's invitation. Today is the day to turn away from your sin. Today. Now. You have this moment. This is grace. This is mercy. Today is the day to receive the free gift of salvation. Amen? Not tomorrow. You have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Today. Live for him today. It's now. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for every heart and for every person here this evening, Lord. There is no prayer. There is no repeat after me. It's I put my faith in the finished work of the cross. I put my faith. I trust that you died for me, that you died for my sins, Lord. And I ask you to forgive me. I pray that you would save me now. It's not just a confession from the mouth. It's your believing in your heart. And Father, I pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to fill every single person in this room, Lord. That they would be able to see your kingdom and live for your kingdom now, today, Lord. And I thank you, God, for always being gentle, for being kind and loving even when we're not. Thank you for being faithful even when we're not. And so I pray that every heart, every man, every woman and children outside, Lord, bless the children, Lord. I pray that we would leave encouraged and refreshed to live for you, to honor you, and to love you, Lord, and to love others. Thank you, God, for all that you're doing in this ministry, Lord. Thank you for Calvary Chapel and every person and believer here, Lord. We pray for a revival. We pray for an awakening. And we pray for you to move.